Hi, I'm Rachel, and you're listening to the Tipsy Traveler podcast, where we talk about cocktails, travel stories, and how-tos. Let's get started. Today on the Tipsy Traveler podcast, we're going to be talking about the trips that I take in December. And by I, I mean we, because I don't actually take them by myself. I go on a trip every December with my boyfriend, Brian. So Brian was actually in my very first episode. He came on to share a cocktail that he made. So I'm going to give him a little bit of an introduction, but if you don't know who he is, I think I went more in depth on that episode. So go give that a listen and then come back. As I mentioned, Brian is my boyfriend and I brought him on to to share perspective of people who are more leisurely travelers as opposed to people who are obsessed with it like I am. So he's here to share his perspective of our December trips as well as some stories. So the cocktail this week is based on our trip to Patagonia. I guess I should preface that we didn't drink this while we were in Chile, but we did find it on the internet and it is called the Chocano and it involves Pisco, which is a really big export of Chile. So we decided it would be a good fit for this episode. So the Chocano consists of two ounces of Pisco, half an ounce of lime juice, a fourth of an ounce of ginger juice, which was actually kind of difficult to find and pretty expensive when we did find it. So I I would suggest either mixing it or making your own. Some simple syrup, some ginger ale, and bitters on the top. We used Angostura, but we also have these spicy habanero bitters that I think would be really great in this drink. If you can't tell based on the ingredients, the drink itself is very refreshing. It's very light and refreshing, limey, gingery. And so I think that the spicy bitters would be a good addition to kind of give it another element, something a little bit more complex. But this drink, seriously, is so sippable. Like, you could chug it with a straw. It's so... It's very nice. (laughs) It's very nice. (laughs) It's very nice. So let's talk about why these December trips started. Our very first year dating was 2016. And I think I had just gotten back from an international trip. And Brian and his family had just gone to Disneyland. And so when I got back, I was like, oh, Disneyland sounds fun. Would you want to go? to Disneyland and he was like I literally just went like two weeks ago but sure so we bought a ticket down to LA which from Seattle isn't super hard or crazy and we went to Disneyland and I'm sure I think Brian said this in the past but like I think all of his co-workers thought at that point that he was obsessed with Disneyland because he went twice in like less than a month (laughs) and so then after that that was beginning of December and we decided like why don't we just let that be our Christmas gifts for each other we didn't really want to buy gifts for each other anyway so it kind of worked out well that we went on a trip at the beginning of December and we just called that good (laughs) which started a very true to brand tradition of traveling instead of buying gifts every December and it's definitely leveled up I think every year we've kind of pushed the budget up a little bit more and most of the time the miles traveled as well So we'll be talking about all four of the trips that we've taken in December the past four years, as well as we might discuss plans for this December, which I'm just now throwing on Brian. So um, we'll see how that goes. So Brian, what do you remember or what would you like to share about our very first December trip to Disneyland? Oh, jeez. This is where you talk. Yeah, you got (laughs) Poncho. So I remember it was our first time ever traveling together. So that was kind of a learning curve of like spending just 24 hours a day concentrated time together. So that was kind of fun. I feel like you say Um, that like it's a bad thing. This is very new and different. (laughs) It's like you don't have an escape route to like go home after like 
figure out what happened or whatever. The um, fact that you just used the word escape route. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was fun traveling together because I knew it was something that you were super passionate about. So getting to kind of see you in your element, basically sprinting through TSA, whereas I was still kind of fumbling through it and everything. I remember sitting on the beach. It was December, early December, and it was cold for LA. It was in like the 50s and we went to the beach and we were there given, I think you were wearing like a sweatshirt, but we were like on the beach and we were some of the only people who were at the beach that day because we were like- It was sunny. (laughs) (laughs) A sunny day in the 50s. We were like, this is great. This is lovely. And everyone else was in hiding because it was cold. (laughs) I remember you like sobbing at either one of the fireworks shows or like the water light show or something. It's like, oh, okay. (laughs) 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 This is a thing people do. (laughs) Yeah, it was the fireworks show. I remember that. I bought Mickey ears that changed colors Mm -hmm. to the fireworks show. I was pretty happy about that. Yeah. Overall, though, I think because it was one of our first trips, it was a long time ago, so we don't remember a ton of the details, but I do remember thinking like, wow, this is someone I can spend significant time with. Like, if I can spend a long weekend with you and I'm not totally sick of you, then must be doing something right. So it was, it was a good first warm-up trip because in the second year, our next December trip, we decided to go to Paris and we bought a round-trip ticket for pretty cheap, actually. I think we found it for like 400 bucks or something. Yeah. And then one day, maybe a month before we left, maybe less, we were looking at other flights. I was looking at other yeah. flights. Well, I think we were struggling to find like a week and a half's worth of things to do in December in Paris. And so we were looking like, wait, we're already in Europe. We might as well see if it's cheap to just bounce somewhere else so then we found 35 dollar round trip tickets to venice from paris it was between venice i think we saw tickets to morocco for like the same price and a couple other places but we landed on venice i think because we were both kind of half joking that with global warming that venice has been sinking so we wanted to go see venice just go ahead and get it taken before care of. that was underwater so well and especially because i lived in rome for three months and i never made it up to venice because it's obviously on the other side of the mm-hmm. country so I think the way the trip was structured was we flew to Paris, spent like five days there, flew to Venice, spent like five days there, and then flew back to Paris, had one more like afternoon, evening there, and then flew out early the next morning back home. I also remember going to the Sacre Coeur, which I know I'm pronouncing that wrong, and buying the most expensive bottle of wine. It was like 60 euro or something from was a tiny really? little store. You remember because there was like nothing open for some reason that evening and Mm. so we found this random little store and bought a bottle of white wine and went to go sit on the steps kind of overlooking the city because open container laws i was so paranoid (laughs) the entire time i was like constantly checking around like like i know i'm allowed to do this but i don't feel like i'm allowed to do this but yeah that was really fun and just overlooking the city that's always such a magical thing for me or going up to the eiffel tower Mm. kind of same feeling of being up there and being able to overlook the entire city especially at nighttime yeah we also took that boat tour. I don't remember a single thing they talked about. <laughs> I don't think there was any really like talking. It was just like you got to see oh, okay. the city from the... So from there, after spending a few days kind of exploring, we got on a plane. It was a Ryanair or Jet Blue Ryanair. Ryanair flight down to Venice. And what do I remember of Venice? Very cold. It was really cold. It was also very empty, which was awesome. Yeah. 
from everything I had heard leading up to it was because my mom had been like 10 years earlier with her sisters and said like it was like you were shoulder checking everyone just getting through. Which some but... of the alleys, especially when it started to rain, all of the stupid umbrellas. Oh God. Because we're taller people. So most people who are carrying umbrellas are carrying it like right at eye level, especially for Brian. You got poked in the eye a bunch. Poked in the eye. And then they would also tilt their umbrella and then let all the rain <laughs> just like run off into us, yeah. like onto us. And we're Seattleites, so we don't believe in umbrellas. So neither one of us had an umbrella with Personal us. Personal vendetta against them. Yeah. It's just not a thing we do here. I don't know why. I also just hate them because I'm tall and I the amount of times I've been smacked in the face by umbrellas. I, just, <laughs> I can't in my right mind <laughs> own one myself. <laughs> but I do remember getting to Venice and we decided to take a bus or takes yeah i think it was like a big bus from the airport to kind of near our hotel hostel and then we had to walk yeah well because it was like a giant hostel that i think was made for summertime because it had like all this like it had like a pool and like a beach volleyball thing and so we were one of like maybe 20 people <laughs> in this place that was built to house hundreds but yeah it was like in the middle of a residential neighborhood that i think took us like an hour and a half to walk to because we took so many wrong turns and and we tried to walk on the interstate but we couldn't yeah something like that it was a struggle (laughs) but we got there it was kind of cool they were like every little spot was like your own little mini rv kind of thing yeah yeah little pods little bungalow Um, and then from there (laughs) is only like a half an hour walk to venice like venice proper yeah that was something else we didn't stay like in the city proper but it's kind of it's an island so we we were both still pretty broke at the time yeah so we were budgeting everything out and I think we could stay outside of the city just a little bit even for like half the price. So yeah. it wasn't that hard of a decision. It went from like $60 a night to like 12 yeah. or something like that. So it was it was worth an hour out of our day to get to and from the city to be able to spend that much more exploring. Yeah. And Venice was gorgeous. I remember all of the different little alleys. Every single time we went in, I felt like we found something different. And yeah. even a couple of times I, we would walk past a shop and it'd be like, oh, next time we walk past this, like I want to stop. And then we'd never walk past it again because yeah. we were just constantly. It was so easy to get lost. I mean, we both had like maps open on our phone and trying. It was basically like you were doing like a newspaper ma- maze just to get from <laughs> either side or something because you just get lost so easily and there's no landmarks that you can see from everywhere because like all of a sudden you take a turn and you're in this alley of three-story buildings surrounding you with three feet on either side of you so but it was gorgeous and such a fun time it did rain on us a couple days which was definitely not ideal yeah. oh we did take a gondola ride yeah that was really fun yeah that was fun I think we also like bargained with them to see if we could get a cheaper price because we were like, I know that that has to be the summer price. There's no way that that is the December price. (laughs) Well, we started just walking around and asking every single gondola person how much and then yeah, basically like bouncing prices off of each each of them. But yeah, yeah, that was definitely a highlight. It was, I I think that's one of those things that's very cliched to do in Venice, but you can't go and not do it because it's, it is like such a cool thing. Well, and it's a once in a lifetime thing, right? Like if we went back to venice now we probably wouldn't do it because it's like okay we did it like check mark yeah i don't know i'd probably do it again honestly yeah Yeah. (laughs) do you have that much fun it was fun (laughs) especially going through the the super wide canal through the middle oh yeah it's so pretty from because we we tried to time it for sunset yeah um which we did okay like sunset was like on the earlier part of our gondola ride so it was just freezing cold (laughs) for the second half (laughs) we're really Um, good at planning if you're not catching on (laughs) but 
Yeah, it's cool. I think the the super nerdy thing that I loved about Venice is that I was obsessed in high school with the Assassin's Creed games. <laughs> so like, I had been like running and jumping around buildings in this stupid video game, and then I was like, oh, what? I jumped off that in this video game. And, like, I'm seeing this in real life. This is so cool. And then like all the buildings were super cool, and like it was kind of terrifying that random towers were leaning a little bit oh, more yeah. than you would oh, like absolutely. them to be. And... Yeah, that's kind of tale as old as time in Italy, though. Yeah, I mean, literally leaning Tower of Pisa. But yeah. like a lot of the church towers are were built hundreds, mm-hmm. if not thousands, of years ago. So things just kind of start like to just give some way. Some drunk priest yeah. or something. <laughs> <laughs> But then after Venice, we hopped back to Paris for one more day and we decided that that was going to be like our fancy day. So we stayed in a nice hotel and we decided to go out to dinner on like at this cute little cafe on the corner of a busy street. Very stereotypical Paris. Very stereotypical Paris. We did get these giant Aperol spritz. They were not fish bowls. They were in wine glasses, but the size of fish bowls, they were giant. To be fair though, we ordered... (laughs) them without knowing how big they were we were both just gonna get like a drink and aperol spritz and then we got these glasses the size of our foreheads they were so good though and then all i remember from that dinner which to be fair i do remember the food was good but mostly what i remember about that dinner is i was looking at brian and obviously across the table and like over his shoulder there was a couple that was breaking up like very obviously this cute little french couple she was like crying the whole time and it was very entertaining to watch and and it lasted like an hour and a half pretty much the whole time we were there for dinner they were like going through this process It was the biggest struggle in the world for me not to turn around and just watch these people. (laughs) I was giving a (laughs) play-by-play. Then after that, we decided, well, it was my idea, I think, because I'm obsessed with the movie Moulin Rouge, and so I wanted to go to a show there, and so I brought it up, and Brian was like, you know, that's like a burlesque show. Like, do you think that's going to be weird for us to go together? (laughs) Like, are you sure that this is a good idea? And I was like, totally, man. It's going to be fine. It'll be cool. Like, no big deal. And then we get there, and... (laughs) it was weird you were so squirrely the entire show (laughs) just like so uncomfortable i think i spent more of the show just watching you watch it because it was more entertaining and they also it was obviously all in french this is a story of my life i feel like i talked about this on a podcast episode a couple episodes ago where i went to a french opera and it was meant for children and all i did was misunderstand everything and be really confused and feel like i was in a dream maybe it's the french i don't know probably the french (laughs) but the same thing happened at moulin rouge where like they had little horses and they had a snake pit and they had all these random things going on and it was like what is happening like do people who speak French understand the plot here? Like, are we really missing out on some great narrative? Or is this just so. nonsense? It definitely <laughs> felt like like a knockoff worse, like Cirque du Soleil performance-wise. The, like, atmosphere was cool. You had to, like, walk through this giant entryway, and they took your coat and yeah, everything. and the it theater. made you feel like you were, like, a billionaire and... 1495 or something i don't know so specific 1495 but it made you feel like you were like super cool but the actual show is not that impressive it was very uncomfortable strange yeah the singers were not very good (laughs) that's what i remember more than anything is that we're a couple singers that were real struggling to hit the notes they were supposed to (laughs) but it was a good experience like i'm glad we did it and again it's one of those things that like i've always wanted to do now i've done it now we can move on with 
our lives. <laughs> I think one of the most memorable things of the entire trip was actually the struggle to get home from this trip. Our flight out of Paris was delayed pretty significantly to the point where we weren't going to catch our connecting flight or it was going to be like really close. No, we were going to land with like 15 minutes before right. our other one finished boarding. And so we were like really concerned that they weren't going to let us try to make our flight. And we were like, we can do it. We like... We're both young people. We can run Let's to our gate. Let's sprint across yeah. the airport. It's like, I don't even care. Like, leave our bags. If our bags take another couple days to get into Seattle, that's fine. Do we but, check them? Yeah, we had to, I think. Mm-hmm. We got off the plane and everything. Like, we were in the terminal with, I think, maybe five, ten minutes to get to our next gate. And they just wouldn't let us even try to run. So they just immediately forced us to miss they our flight. Us, yeah, other flights. They gave us, I think it was at that point, they gave us like two meal vouchers, which was like our first of nine or something yeah. that they ended up giving us. Because then from there, because we missed our first connection, we were going to miss our second connection. So they wanted to reroute us to like a different airport. And so they just like every time we talked to someone, they're like, here, just take these meal vouchers to make yeah. it better. So we ended up with like $100 in no, meal vouchers. No, it was vouchers. almost two. Was it? Yeah. Pretty much every time we talked to someone, they were like, here's $20 in meal vouchers. So yeah. we just kept getting meal vouchers which is actually like pretty great because you can use them anywhere the thing that sucked though is because we were both stressed so we were like whatever let's just use it and let's go get some drinks oh, and then yeah. we went to a bar <laughs> got our drinks tried to pay with our meal vouchers and there's this like tiny little like cannot size eight font that's like cannot be used for alcohol it's like what are we gonna buy like 42 burgers at mcdonald's with this oh man so we missed all of our flights and spent another like 40 dollars on two airport drinks that and was then, stressful. And then when we finally did get back, you had to go straight to work. Yeah, because we landed at like 4 a.m. on a Monday. And so I ran home, took a shower, changed, and went straight to work. And I looked like death. And every single person, every one of my coworkers just stayed away from me that whole day, which is probably smart. And even you had to go straight back to nannying, I think. Oh, yeah, that might have been the case. I think that's why we were both freaking out. Just cause, yeah, like, we didn't want to be. There was no way we could, like, I had maxed out my vacation time, I think, right. at this point for the trip. So yeah, like that you. was that was stressful. And it was also the most stressful because it felt so out of our hands. Like, uh-huh. we we had a whole game plan, and they were like, no, you can't do that. We were like, why not, though? Yeah, like, the gate is only, like, 300 yards away. Just let me run. But I will say, we talked to a lot of customer service people that day, and it was Air Canada. I remember that very vividly. Mm-hmm. And most of them... Them. Like, I would say 85, 90% of them were so kind and patient and yeah. understanding. They were really great. So I... W- it was just the flight attendants that wouldn't let us run yeah. our stupid I was game. really <laughs> impressed with Air Canada yeah. overall. So that brings us to our next trip. So this would have been December of 2018. And we went to Patagonia for this trip. Part of the reason we went down there was because I was already going to Antarctica. And so I told Brian hey, I'm going to go to Patagonia. So you can either come with me and make that our December trip or you can look at all my pictures when I get back and be jealous. Kind of blackmailed him. Well, sort of. You said you were going to be exploring South America, but then I was like, I'll go if we can turn it into a backpacking trip. Because at that point, you had never really been, I think we've maybe gone camping a couple times at this point, but I don't think I convinced you to go backpacking more than maybe once. So I didn't think you would bite, but you did. So then I was like, oh, heck yeah. (laughs) So we did the W circuit. So if you know anything about Patagonia, there's the O, which is the big one that goes all the way around. And then there's the W, which takes about four to five days. So I think we took six it might have been five nights six days yeah i think we wanted to kind of take our time but i think it's around 50 miles we really should have come more prepared (laughs) it was more than 50 miles 
There's more of them. Yeah. So essentially how we got there, because it's not as easy or as forthcoming as flying into Paris or flying into, you know, Patagonia. You can't really do that. So I was coming from Argentina and Brian flew into Chile. Yeah, I think mine would be the way that most people would have to go. Yeah, because I was in re- very, very southern. <laughs> yes, I was in a very small town in southern, like the very southern tip of Argentina, which most people yeah. aren't going to be there. So do you want to tell kind of your flight process? starting from Seattle. Well, yeah, so it started in Seattle, obviously, because that's where we live. And I was looking at flights and it was going to be like thousands of dollars to fly to Santiago. But from Vancouver in Canada, it was half as much. It was like literally half the price. So I hopped on a like a Bolt bus or something like that at 9 p.m. one day to drive up to Vancouver, caught my flight out of Vancouver to Santiago. And then from Santiago, caught another flight. I think at that point it was like 9 a.m. the next day to a small city called Punta Arenas, and then I caught a bus from there to Puerto Natales, where I met up with Rachel, and then once we were there for, I think we spent the night there, we took another small bus from there to the trailhead, where we could actually catch Take a ferry, a ferry. <laughs> and then start actually hiking, yeah. So I think all in all, it was, like, including the night we spent in uh, Puerto Natales, it took, like, 36 to 40 hours to get from Seattle to hiking on this trail. Maybe more. Maybe more. Yeah, there's a lot. It was even a lot for me, and I was already in Argentina. I had to fly to El Calafate, catch a bus from there to Puerto Natales, then catch the second bus into the park, and then hop on the ferry. So it even took me like 20 hours or something. Yeah. I also know that we've sworn a pact to not talk about this, but I think we should talk about this. When we got to the trailhead, we talked multiple times in Puerto Natales about stopping at an ATM before we headed into the park because they didn't accept credit cards in the park at all. Well, that was what, what we, we were told. That's yeah. What, yeah, what we heard. And so we had a little bit of cash, but not a ton. And so we we're like, okay, we're going to stop at an ATM. We're going to stop at an ATM. We're going to stop at an ATM. And we didn't. We just didn't there was no we just reason like for slept it. in a tiny bit and then we're paranoid we we're gonna miss our bus so we just didn't we forgot and then we got into the park to the ferry ride and then we realized like oh crap we don't have enough money to pay for both of us to catch this ferry we literally we just had enough money to buy the park pass like into the park or yeah. to pay the park fee or whatever it's called per person yeah well i think it was we, we had enough money to buy the permits and yeah. then one person's passage on the ferry yeah. but then we would have had no money in the park so as we were standing in line for the ferry just had to go and talk to people we just like would listen and see if we could hear people speaking english and then start talking to them and then be like so we don't have any money literally begging people to like take pity on us it was the worst experience we eventually did find two guys who helped us out yeah they were the sweetest sweetest guys i think it was just two dads that were like taking their kind of like midlife trip together yeah seemed like it they were just like the nicest people in the world it was just so frustrating because we it was like literally our entire fault like we just it really was didn't plan it well enough when we were just stupid it was also so frustrating because of how long it took to get there. Yeah. So at that point to have to turn around and go back, it just would have ruined the rest of the trip, essentially. Because something else you need to know about entering the park is that you have to have certain permits, camping permits, or a place to stay every single night. And you have to set it up months in advance. If you wait, it sells out so fast because so many people want to go. So there was no 
redo. There was no like, oh, we'll just start on the trail tomorrow instead. We had specific campsites booked for specific nights and they would have all been sold out by that point. So if we didn't get on that ferry, there was no way we could have gotten around it. Either that or do it again the next day, but just go twice as far the first day yeah. to catch up, which would have been miserable. But then once we were on the trail, it was really great. It was super, super windy, which was something we heard over and over again. And the very first night, I remember waking up and the whole side of my face was just caked in dirt because where we had set up camp, there was like a little bit of dirt around there like the ground was dirty and all of it blew into our tent and just caked us in dirt it was horrible that was hilarious (laughs) i was clean (laughs) but yeah right off the bat like even the first place we camped was absolutely gorgeous yeah it really was and i remember you took a picture sitting inside the tent of what was outside of it and it was such a cool the horns which is what the park's named after and then from there we i mean we were doing like 10 mile days so pretty much a lot of it was just get to the campsite set up the campsite sit around and tell stories and chat you know make our gross camping food make our gross most of it was pretty good there was only one that was like really gross and then we tried to buy a pizza so midway through it was halfway through our trip and the meal that we had to make for that evening was absolutely disgusting it was pretty gross it was a freeze-dried like chinese food meal or something yeah i think so and it was just horrible couldn't couldn't eat it couldn't stomach it and i had burned my hand (laughs) do you remember that i touched the furnace and burned my hand and so i was really grumpy because i burned myself and grumpy because the food was horrible and so i was just gonna go like try and barter to see if we could buy a pizza and they're like oh we accept credit card and i was like you've got to be kidding me (laughs) we went through all of this because we rationed food like perfectly because it was i had to fly down with both my camping stuff and rachel's camping stuff so i was like very weight conscious because i couldn't exceed the limit that the airport or the airline would let me fly with so we had i think the the exact amount of calories that we needed to survive so we did not have enough food to like not eat that dinner so once we found out that they accepted credit card we were about to cry (laughs) and we bought a pizza and it was the grossest pizza i've ever eaten in my entire life it was like half cooked dough with just like raw tomatoes on top and then this weird like cheese sauce and like ham and ham yeah but we ate it yeah we ate it all (laughs) it was camping all day for you Brian just mentioned that everything that I remember is everything that went wrong but I told him I was like those are the that's like the fun of it right that's kind of the fun of traveling is things go wrong and it's still fun you still enjoy each other afterwards so and plus like how much can I say like it was so gorgeous guys like you need to go like go and see it for yourself it's gorgeous (laughs) that's the thing is it was just so pretty it was One of the days that we were doing a day hike, so we didn't have our packs. It was just like a small backpack that we had with us for essentials. We were trying to hike up to this viewpoint in the middle of the W, so... It's like the every picture you've ever seen of this park is taken from this viewpoint, basically. Right. So we were hiking up there and and obviously had no real way of like checking weather. So we were just dressed the way we were dressed and didn't really think much of it. And then about halfway up, it started getting really, really windy and then started snowing. And this is in the middle of their summer. So I did not think... 
was our, not prepared. At our base camp, it was like 85 and sunny. Yeah. <laughs> we, I think we both brought like light rain jackets or something with us. And like. So then we get up to the viewpoint and it's just completely covered with clouds. Like you can't see anything and it's snowing. <laughs> and we had brought just a little bit of peanut butter, like our last bit of peanut butter, I'm pretty sure. But we didn't have a knife. We forgot to get a knife or any kind of utensil to scoop it out. So we were trying to scoop it out with our fingers, which if you've ever stuck your hand into a peanut butter jar, you know that it doesn't go in as far as you think it does. <laughs> no, but like you can't reach down all the way to the bottom. And then we had like maybe a little bit of bread. So it was snowing and cold and couldn't see anything. And I was grumpy. But I didn't want to leave because I, cl- <laughs> I wanted to wait until the clouds left so I could see my mountains. So we sat there for five minutes while I complained and then we left. And then the next day it was completely clear. So I was very grumpy about that. But yeah. We didn't have time to go back up. Yeah, I think one of the other fun things about the trail is because you have to lock in your campsites certain days so far in advance, you end up having kind of groups of people that are all hitting the same campsites on the same day. So we had a couple trail buddies that we would constantly overlap with throughout the days one of them was this dad and son that i think was going on one of their first backpacking trips because the dad we saw him cooking every once in a while and he had this giant like cast iron thing that he had in his (laughs) backpack that probably weighed 30 pounds that like and they were struggling throughout the whole day it was kind of fun that you would see people and like you never really spoke to them because they didn't speak english they didn't speak spanish we barely spoke spanish so you just kind of like spoke in waves and smiles and stuff you're all kind of like yep we're all miserable this today <laughs> you're like oh this is so pretty you're like oh this is great something else that i'm remembering is how windy it would get and it would kick up all the water from the lakes mm-hmm. so the lakes were these crazy like glacial blue lakes and when it got really windy the top of like it would just kind of form all this mist up at the top of the lake and then because it was also sunny it would create these cool rainbows like these floating rainbows over the top of the water it was so cool i've never seen anything like it i mean the science of it makes sense to me but it seems like magic it seemed like (laughs) out of a like animated movie or something yeah yeah definitely did so once we finished the hike we then were getting back on a bus to go back to Port natalis and we spent another night there and then we split up so brian went to santiago and hung out for a couple days and actually i had some friends that went to antarctica with me who were also in santiago so he grabbed dinner with them at one point which was a kind of a fun thing for me to like (laughs) make social plans for my friends and brian from another country because i was still in argentina nowhere close so that was kind of a fun little (laughs) thing for me yeah and santiago is a really cool city I was excited that I got to at least spend a full day exploring because it was just massive. And then we headed home. We met up in the Vancouver airport. Oh, and I ran into you in the San Diego airport because I didn't realize I had a layover there and I saw you. That was fun, too. I forgot about that. (laughs) And then we met up in the Vancouver airport and bussed home together after a couple days of traveling. Oh, and I got to spend a day in New York because I landed at like 7 a.m. in New York and then my flight out didn't leave until like 7 p.m. or something. So I I explored. We got home to Seattle at like midnight and then... Once again, I had work the next day. Yeah. So. <laughs> We're really good at that, yeah, huh? <laughs> just maximizing the days we can travel. So I think that brings us to our last December trip, which was this past December 2019. And we decided we wanted to do things a little bit differently. As you can tell, we kind of have been doing trips that are going, going, going. And so we we're like, where can we go and just like lay on a beach and like hang out? So we went to Thailand and the flights over were 
surprisingly cheap, like 700 bucks round trip, which for Seattle to Phuket is pretty decent, which I think is one of the reasons why we like traveling in December is mm-hmm. because it's low season for most areas of the world. So, so yeah, we flew into Phuket and I'm going to kind of walk you through some of the places we stopped without going into great detail because this podcast is already pretty long. <laughs> so our first stop, We landed in Phuket and the next morning we immediately got on a boat and went to the PP Islands. The PP Islands are known for being a little bit more of like a party island. Definitely a lot of like college kids with college age, like 20 somethings there. And it stayed true to that reputation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The first night we were there, we won a beer pong tournament, which I feel pretty good about because that's not our first beer pong tournament win. So, and we won tickets to a party boat, which was interesting. It was nice that we won it because we were contemplating buying a boat trip somewhere just because that seemed like something you should do. But then it ended up being pretty cool because it took you around islands around PP Island. And we got to see like Monkey Beach and get chased away by monkeys and things, which made me ecstatic. And do um, a little kayaking and paddle boarding. Yeah. But then I think it was slated to be like a five hour trip and like two and a half, three hours in a huge storm came in. I think it was like the end of a typhoon. It was like a little ways out off Thailand, but they wouldn't let us go back because they wanted us to continue partying and like buying booze on their boat. But <laughs> there was only these three guys from Cape Town, South Africa, who was like one of their birthdays that were drinking and then these two dudes from Wisconsin. And so they were getting absolutely plastered and everyone else, like all 30 of the other people on the boat we're completely sober and just wet and miserable in this typhoon. <laughs> yeah, we just kind of sat there and watched them all party and like almost fall off the boat multiple times. And then <laughs> it's like all we did. <laughs> but it was kind of fun. Definitely a gorgeous place. We did the little hike up to the top of the island, which was it was nice to see kind of see out. It's one of my favorite things. I've been there before years prior by myself, so it was nice to to take Brian and and show him. It's also a really small island, no cars or anything, so it's all walkable. Then from there, we hopped to Koh Lanta, and we decided at some point during the trip, we wanted to spend a little bit more money and stay in a nicer place. Thailand's pretty cheap, so instead of staying in like a $10 hostel, we stayed in a $75 a night resort, Mm -hmm. and it was bougie. (laughs) I think our our room had three rooms. Yeah, we had like... entry room a giant bathroom and a giant bedroom and a balcony yeah there were just pools everywhere it was right next to the beach it was really nice and really all we did was like lay by the pool lay by the beach repeat (laughs) which is kind of what we wanted out of that trip so i was pretty happy and then from there we went to Krabi, which was really the only city stop along the way and it was really hot because there was no wind off the the ocean in town But we did a pretty cool hike there. It's called Tiger Cave Temple. It was straight steps. I think it was like 1,200 steps all the way up to the top. But you could see kind of the countryside of Thailand, which was interesting. I'd never been there before, so I was pretty... I was a fan. The most memorable part of that, of Krabi, was that hike because coming down, the whole mountain was basically home to these like hundreds, maybe even thousands of monkeys that are just living in the wild. And they love to congregate right along the steps as you're going up and down, especially once sunset happens and it just becomes pitch black. You're coming down these steps and there's just like thousands of eyes staring at you and they're like just growling menacingly and they're above you on the trees that are around you or next to you that some of them are bold enough to just be sitting on the steps and you just kind of have to like not make eye contact and just 
keep plowing ahead. And it was also and it was a little terrifying. dark because it was after sunset. Yeah. So that was fun. So, yeah. Watching people squeal and Rachel squeal <laughs> was pretty entertaining. <laughs> but then from Krabby, we hopped on another boat and went to Koyao Noi, which I think Noi means north. I think I've deduced that. Fact check that. Fact check that. I might be wrong. But either way, it was a really small remote island, probably the most remote island we went to, which is why we decided to rent scooters there because it was the most remote and felt the most safe. Less cars, less risk. (laughs) So we rented a scooter and got to really explore the entire island, went all over pretty much any road we could find and drove on it. (laughs) <laughs> the fun part was that they drive on the left side of the road so remembering to stay left was a struggle you know when you're driving you kind of zone out a little bit because you're on autopilot you couldn't do that at all because when I did that I would just float to the right just kind of naturally like my brain is like this is the side of the road that I drive on I think that was my favorite island that we went to in Thailand though just because it was so quiet and you got to kind of like drive through spots that weren't meant to be for tourists really so you get to watch people on their farms and like in the rice paddies and then just go hang out in the beach and and then from there we went back to phuket spent a couple days in phuket which definitely the rowdiest stop of all of them just so many people everywhere like all the time it felt like and then from there flew home and i think that about wraps up our december trips if you're not tired of us yet then <laughs> we'll give you a little bit of a break We have started kind of talking about where we might want to go for this December. We're thinking maybe South Africa or New Zealand. Brian studied abroad in New Zealand, so he loves it a lot. So we're just trying to decide and check flights. And obviously, a lot of things are up in the air right now. So it definitely depends on what the world looks like in nine months or whatever, eight months. But those are kind of our initial thoughts. If you have suggestions, I'd love to hear them. Reach out and let me know what some of your favorite trips have been and where we should go for our upcoming. December trip. But I think that's all. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you made it this far, um, we're really excited to share these stories with you because a lot of them have not been shared, at least not publicly. Most of them have just been shared with friends and family. They haven't really been shared on any kind of platform or any kind of blog or anything like that. So it's nice to kind of get these stories out in the world and give them a place to live. Well, thanks again. And next week I will be talking about living in Rome. So I will probably have multiple episodes on Italy in general, but this episode will be about Rome specifically and kind of what that looked like for me. So hope that you give that a listen and I will be back soon.